Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United Podcast. One of the most personal aspects of our lives is our money. We really better trust somebody if we're going to share that kind of information. But I want you to hear today that God cares about your money. It's said that God has no problems with you having things. God's problem is when your things have you. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Usually we start these uh, sermons and Proverbs with a, with a set of Proverbs, a verse or two, that really capture uh, some of the thoughts. And so I want to start our minds in Proverbs 30. We may have read it just this past week. If you're following along, reading a chapter a day, corresponding to the day of the calendar month, on the 30th, we read this. It's, it's, it's kind of like a prayer, right? Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What an awesome thought that we might approach God and say, Lord, I hope, I I want my character to outpace my gifts. Have you thought about that? I thought about that this week. That's kind of what this means. Lord, may, may my character, may my virtue, may my wisdom never outpace my gifts. That's when people really get into trouble. We've heard story after story of a a gifted individual whose character fails them. It's as if they received so much that they couldn't handle it, whether it be finances or possessions or authority or power, whatever it may be, their character did not outpace their gifts. And so that's what this prayer is, and that's what I want to share with you this morning, is that, God, we might never be in a situation where our character fails us with regard to our gifts. And the Bible has a great deal to say about gifts and about money, about resources. And actually, just to start the sermon, you have your handout perhaps, but I just want to share some of the the powerful truths that I've come to realize and try to summarize all of what God is saying to us with regard to money. And I call it sort of like a truth or a wisdom to live by. The first point that I want to make is actually from the mouth of Jesus. In his teaching, he told us a lot about money. He taught. But ultimately, a summary of that reads like this. You can either worship money. You have a choice here. You can worship money or you can worship God with your money. Right? And that's rooted. That truth, that wisdom is rooted in his teaching in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. You're going to either love one and hate the other. You'll either be faithful to one and despise the other. And then listen to what he said on the end. Look, he, he called it out. He said, no one is going to serve both God and money. And so we don't want to worship money. We want to worship God with our money. That's the point. That's the wise thing. Another great truth that kind of summarizes, and it's found in in the Proverbs, some wisdom to live by, if you will. I've discovered, I would suggest to you today, that wealth or poverty, they're too vague. (laughs) How much is too much, right? How much is not enough? It's hard to lock in on those numbers exactly. But what I would submit to you is that wealth or poverty don't matter to God as much as righteousness does. And that's a lot of what you read in the Proverbs. It's not about 
how much money one person has. It's, it's actually what they do with the money that they have. How did they earn it? Do they give it away? Are they generous? All of the Proverbs summarize us towards a point. And actually, what I've discovered is it doesn't have to do with just wealth. It, it's, we're talking about the fear of God. We're talking about our words. We're talking about uh, our work. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about wealth, about these things that lead us. Wisdom is not just about what I do with money. It's about whether I'm doing the right things in my life or not. And so that's what you're going to see here. All of the topics we've been, we've, been, we've been talking about. It's not about righteousness for the sake of being right. It's righteousness for the sake of and for the glory of God in our lives. A proverb that sort of reinforces that. It says, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Isn't that true? It isn't about how much you have. It's about doing right with what we do have. And so I want to illustrate that for you today and talk about how we can put some of these practices into our daily lives. God is far more concerned with how we obtain our money, how we spend our money, how we give our money, in light of what's right in his kingdom, in his vision, his values. And a final wisdom that kind of leads me in my talk today, I've discovered in my life that I actually don't need more wealth. I need more wisdom. <laughs> right? God, that my character and that my wisdom would never outpace my gifts. I just want us to understand this morning that we can indeed have dollars with sense. Dollars with sense. Take a look at Proverbs 3. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who find understanding, for she's more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. Need more wealth? Lord, I need more wisdom. I want to be faithful I want to be right with what I have. So I think there's about four different concepts, four different statements I might make that are rooted in the Proverbs. Four different criteria, maybe. Four different challenges for us. First one I'll suggest is that wise people steward their money, but they do it very seriously. They steward money. And I use that word carefully. It's stewardship. A stewardship. You've been given something, and you're to manage it. You're to work it. We talked about this with the work talk, right? Work in my land is to be a good steward of what I have. A passage that's not in the Proverbs, but it, it really emphasized this for me this week is Proverbs 24.1. It says, the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Everything is God's. It, I, I, I hope that's not a surprise to you this morning. Everything, including you, belongs to God. And so, but Charlie, I do have possessions. I do have an income. I do have stuff. Yeah, that's been given to you. And you are to be a steward of what has been given to you. See, what I start with today is the whole perspective of, of, of who owns it all anyway. And wise people understand that truth, that actually God owns everything anyway. And he has only bestowed upon you and I a portion of it. The wise person says everything is God's anyway, so I'm going to try to take care of it like he would. Everything we have, my gifts, my talents, my money. Everybody do me a favor. Take a big, deep breath right now. <sighs> Let it out. That very breath is from God. And the very, the very fact that you breathed it is because he allowed us to. Wow, what a concept. 
And it took me very quickly this week to Matthew 25, another great teaching of Jesus. It's the parable of the talents. It's a powerful story, right? The master comes and he doles out an amount of resources, an amount of money, perhaps, to three different individuals. These individuals are instructed to go and work their land, to go do something with this money on behalf of the master. Well, a day of reckoning comes, and two of the servants, if you remember the story, have doubled what he gave them. Oh, this is great, wonderful. And what is said to those two? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Come on into my kingdom, and I'll give you more. But that one-third servant. And I actually had sympathy on this guy. Every time I read this story, I, I, I can, can kind of relate with what he's saying. He just brings the same amount of money, the same talent that, that the master gave him. He says, I didn't lose it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I think from a worldly perspective, we go, well, I guess that's okay. It's a, it's a sum zero game. Zero sum game, they say. But that master is very angry with this servant. And it surprises us when we read it, right? Right? You evil, wicked, disobedient servant. Ooh, (laughs) hold on a second here. I didn't bankrupt it. He says, you didn't even take it to the bank and get interest on it. There's no gain in him giving it to this servant. Cast him away. What a powerful story that really that helps us realize that we're going to be accountable for what we've been given in the context that God owns it anyway. That's hard truth. God has given us wonderful gifts and provisions. Do we realize it and do we live accordingly? See, it was the least, it was the, it was the guy who got the least who was most fearful. I thought that was unique. It's the guy who got the least that was most fearful. I had to be reminded this week that we can either focus on what we have or we can focus on what we don't have. (laughs) You've all heard this. That picture right there has two conclusions. We can either see that glass as half full or half empty. Which do you, which are you more likely to see it as? Because I'm going to tell you something. You can focus on what you don't have in this world or you can focus on what you do have in this world. And I guarantee you, whatever you focus on is going to get bigger. You catch it? You can focus on what you don't have, and it's going to get bigger. Or you can focus on what you do have as a steward of God's resources and do faithfully to hear at the end of our life, well done, well done. If God is the owner of everything, Psalm 50 reinforces that. I kind of like that, driving around these hills down here. Every animal of the forest is mine, says God. The cattle on a thousand hills. This changes my perspective to understand that God is a God of abundance. He's not a God of scarcity. And sometimes we get this wrong. I won't spend a lot of time on this. It's a whole other sermon. But God is a God who owns everything. Now, you can look at that as like, well, if he owns everything, then I don't own anything. You could look at it that way. Or you could say, God owns everything, and he loves me. Why would I ever worry? Why would I ever worry? And Jesus reminded us that too. You know, the sparrows of the, the flying around. They don't plant. They don't till. They don't do anything. 
And your Father in heaven knows every single one of them and provides for us. How about the lilies of the field? Even Solomon wasn't decorated like the, the fields and the flowers. Your Father in heaven owns everything. And so it is not a zero-sum game. It's a game of abundance for us to understand that God owns everything. And so with that perspective that we are stewards of whatever we have, I want you to know that wise people budget very prudently. Remember this prudence word, right? It comes up a lot in the Proverbs. It means that I see the future, that I know the future, that I'm, that I'm clever and I'm smart and I have an understanding to understand the ways of which the world works. I'm going to budget prudently. I understand that he owns everything. I understand that I've been given a portion of it. And so now the wise person is going to plan ahead. And there's some Proverbs here that reinforce this really, really clearly. One of them is Proverbs 21.20. The wise store up choice food in olive oil, but the fool gulps it down. How about that for a picture? I got to tell you, my sister, I have a younger sister, three years younger than me, and she was far wiser than me when we would get candy and I was a little kid. How many of this happens? There's always somebody who gulps it down first and then looks at their little sister and says, can I have one? I'm like, wait a minute, buddy. You had your share. Quit trying to get into my share, right? I love my sister for that because she would sometimes share with me. But this reminded me of the story in Genesis 50. Genesis 50 is a story of Jacob's son, Joseph. Joseph has a wild story. In fact, we might even preach it as a wonderful summer uh, Old Testament series or something, right? But Joseph comes to a place of authority in the whole kingdom of Egypt, and he has a dream. Prudence. The Holy Spirit reveals to him that there will be seven years of abundance in the kingdom of Egypt, and then there will be seven years of famine. And so what does a prudent person do? Joseph compels the Pharaoh to store up for seven years as much as they possibly can. And guess what? It came true, seven years of famine, and they are in charge of the whole world because of what they have. And it's a, fab, it's a fascinating story. And 21.5 pops out to me too. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as the haste of the fool, I might add, leads to poverty. And so God owns everything. He's given you a portion of it. Are you going to plan accordingly? Are you going to budget and, and, and deal with what he's given you? You see, I love this, that there are plans. There are plans. It's a plan. Do you have a plan for the money that you possess? Because I'm telling you, sometimes people just come to me and they say, well, I, I, I don't have any money. How can you budget nothing? That's foolish. And some people say, well, you know, I got so much, I don't even have to worry. I don't need a budget. That's foolish right? You know, but there's balance here. Because sometimes people just work, 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 work. I've been tempted to this too. It was like, well, I'm doing the Lord's work and I'm wearing, I'm just going to wear myself out for God. The Proverbs uh, speaks to that uh, foolishness as well. You don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't trust your own cleverness. That's not what this is about. Oh, I just need to put my chin down and put my nose to the grindstone and just work, 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 work. No, that's foolish. You're going to wear yourself out trying to get rich. And listen, it's balance. Like what I've learned in my life is I actually have to disconnect 
so that I can connect. Because what happens is we just get into this, ugh, this gray, like ugh, lukewarm, like ugh, just working my job and paying my bills and doing my thing and trying to figure it out. And I just grind and grind and grind and grind and grind and grind. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's not what Jesus expects of you. I disconnect from this imbalance because I got a plan. Because I got a plan. My family knows that because of what I do on Sunday, don't try to schedule me to do something at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Because as you can imagine, when the coffee wears off this body, I'm disconnecting, right? And in the case of emergency, I'm there for you, trust me. But if it's not, I'm downstairs in the dark basement, snuggled up. Now again, I may lay out in the sun today. What do you know? But I'm disconnecting so that I can connect. And I jump out of bed every Monday morning, don't I, Matt? Woo, here we go. Because I'm recharged. But it's not because I've worn myself out trying to get rich. I'm trying to please God. And so that includes a budget of my time, of my resources, of my money, of my energy. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? This is where it gets really, really personal. There's a great uh, straight-shooting radio talk show host named Dave Ramsey. Many of you may have heard of him. One of his catchphrases is, I want you to live like no one does now so that you can live like no one can later. Right? It is about self-discipline. A budget is simply a plan. It's the structure. It's the guardrails. It's the prudence in our life to do what's right. Watch this. Proverbs 21.17 says, Whoever loves pleasure is going to become poor. But if you love wine and olive oil, you're never going to be rich, prodigal son. You're never going to find it that way. The prodigal son is a great, wonderful story that Jesus uses to exemplify the love of our father, even in spite of our disobedience. That younger son says, Dad, I'm going. I want my share. And so he fills his wallet and he goes, and what does he do? He loves wine and olive oil and fast living, and he ends up poor <laughs> because he had no self-discipline. He didn't have a budget. How many poor stories, tragic stories do we hear of people who win the lottery? Like, we don't even play the lottery, right? How are we going to win? But you win millions of dollars. We hear these stories that just in a short period of time, it's gone, and they're broke again. What? We look at that with prudence and we go, that's the foolish, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right? But this is the truth of God, is that if we will not discipline ourselves, if we will not have a plan, that's right, you know, I used to tell my athletes, what are you aiming at? Because if you're aiming at nothing, that's exactly what you're going to hit. And that plays out for our finances and our resources and our time and our energy and everything God's given us. Do you have a plan or not? Oh, you wicked, unfaithful, disrespectful servant, right? That's the flashback that comes to mind. You got to plan the work and then work the plan. Some of you are afraid to be accountable in this, in this area of life. It's so hard. That's not going to end well for you. Don't be afraid to share your situation, your circumstances with a trusted individual. It's like... If I had cut my leg, right, and I'm bleeding from my leg, 
And I don't want to tell Mitchell that I'm bleeding from my leg, but it's really, it's kind of bad. Like, and I'm just like, well, it'll be okay. Like, I'll, I'll figure it out. Can you imagine how foolish that situation is? And then, you know what? It doesn't get any better. It's going to get infected. And it's going to affect you. And we're like, well, I'll, I'll just, yeah, I'll figure it out. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. That's a fool's denial of the truth. What do you, what do you want me to do? I want you to go to, to the stack care and have somebody who's trained and educated to help you figure out what medicines or whatever stitches or something you need to fix your leg. That makes perfect sense to us with regard to our physical bodies. But we will not open our checkbooks. We will not share with a trusted and loving individual who's trained and educated to help you stop the bleeding. And there are people inside the church right now. There are people in our community who are there to help you. You just have to open up the bandage. You just have to take the, the, the cover off the cup, Owen, and be ministered to in this way. And so if you're within the sound of my voice this morning and you're in debt and your money is actually telling you what to do, not the other way around, because that's what a budget does, by the way. The budget enables you to tell your money what it's going to do, not the other way around. And if you're in that state right now, and you're just mourning, God, there's grace. There's no shame in that. But you need help, and you need to be accountable, and you need to be more wise. You see, God expects you to plan carefully to use your money according to his values and his vision for both yourself and those all around you. Can you do that? You will not believe the control and the power and the joy it will give you to get yourself on a really solid financial plan. It's priceless. You will not, you will not believe the joy and the confidence that you can live in. Knowing that you know that you know that you are being disciplined and wise with God's resources that he has entrusted to you. And so we understand that it's all God's and that he has given us a portion of it and we're going to budget it properly. And, the and one of the last things I, I want you to, to hear me here is that wise people give their money very generously. It's a beautiful picture that the Proverbs paints here. We know that God owns it all. We know that he's entrusted it to us. We budget it and plan accordingly. But Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it reinforces us. It says, honor God with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. You put in your metaphor, right? You're working your land, whatever that is. Your barns will be filled, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense, does it? But somehow it does. This is a very popular verse that guys like me use to encourage people to give to the church or to give to, to charitable uh, organizations. Honor God with what you have. And there's this, you know, a whole other message in giving and tithing, but the first fruits of your crops, right? Do you give, 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 give at the end uh, after you've done all of your priority budgeting and then you give out of your what's left? Out of your scarcity? Or do you give first and then trust God for the rest of it? Come talk to me about that if that confuses you. We as pastors and staff puppers here at the church, we work for God, by the way. Thank you very much. You may have hired me, but I work for God. 
on contract from him. We do serve folks like you. We serve each other as a community. But we are charged with being the best stewards possible of our time and our resources. And like, you know, just a word of commentary here. And, uh, you know, I, I want you to know this. This is where it gets kind of personal. This is a family. If you're a visitor today, God bless you. We're glad you're here. But I want you to know that I made it my policy when you folks hired me to be the pastor here that I have no idea what you give. I have no idea whether you even give at all. That's not my place. As the shepherd, as the caretaker, as the lover of your soul, that doesn't matter to me. Right? There are other trusted individuals who are handling all of that business and, you know, that fancy stuff. But Wendy and I both are not privy to any of the financial information that comes from, like, the sheep side. That's what we'll call it. I just want you to know that. Because this does not affect how I serve you. This will not affect our personal information. That has nothing to do with it. And that's our policy and procedure from my position as our lead pastor. I'm, I, don't, I don't care. Now, would I like to know? <laughs> no. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't need to know. And so I don't know. But we appreciate that you're giving a portion of your income to support the ministry of Walnut Creek Mennonite Church or other institutions and organizations that we partner with. Because God, that's between you and God. So do what he tells you to do. Because I'm trusting that you're going to do what he tells you to do. As a person whose livelihood is basically dependent upon you doing whatever God is supposed to tell you to do. God calls us to give money and other resources to people in need. He actually loves to give back to those who are generous. That's what these verses tend to say. Here's a final one that just it hits it out of the park. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. That's you. Are you giving to people in need? Share. One of the greatest stories that I've heard, I've probably shared it before, but in the mission work in India, when the church began to really explode in India, the evangelical church really exploded in the early 90s in India. And it was based in the fact that they would start in these little house small groups that we would call. And they would just go to their neighbors and say, oh, I'm so sorry, um, you're sick. Maybe we'll just pray and, and, and God will heal you. And the person goes, well, that sounds good. And they come over to the house church and they lay the hands on the people and they got healed. Oh, I see you have a need. You're, you're, you're poor. Let's, let's just pray. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We'll just ask him to provide for you. And they got it. And folks who are in mission work generally see those types of stories all the time. I, we, we, I can give. I'm writing checks out of God's accounts. I'll give it to you. What's mine is actually his. And so I'm listening carefully to do with what God, do with what God gave me. It's like, I, I just hold everything that I have with an open hand. You've heard this metaphor perhaps too. I, I just hold everything I have. People, money, resources, time, energy, messages. <laughs> I hold it with an open hand. What does that mean? That means that people can freely take away from me and then, oh, the beauty. I've, un, I've taken the lid off my cup, and I can freely receive from God as well. That's Owen's point in our relationships last week. Because if I just hold everything that I have really tight, oh, yeah, sure, you'll hold on to it. Good luck. <laughs> you can't receive anything in this position. And so his point's well taken. 
One last thing. Read this. Get a load of this. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. One person gives freely and yet gains even more. One withholds unduly and comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. And whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. It's a game of trust. It's a discipline to give and know that God has got your back. Can you do that? Can you trust him enough to give? Many among us will testify that you cannot outgive God. You can't do it. Oh, God, that we would be a conduit for your goodness, not a container. Not a container, right? I want to be a river of your love, not a swamp. Swamp goes nowhere. Stagnant, dirty, yucky, blah. Swamp. I want to be a river. I want to be a conduit. And so keep giving to me, Lord, because I just want to be faithful and give to others, right? And, and, and it's, it's certainly about money, but let's talk about your time. Let's talk about your talent. Let's talk about your, your, your other treasures and the, the possessions. They're all God's, including you. The energy he gives us, the excitement we have, the passion that we have, everything is God's. The fool, the fool is the person who says, well, I, I don't have enough to spare. But the path of the wife says, I'll give you what I have because I trust God with the whole thing anyway. Here's the last thing, and we'll bring this down to a close here. Wise people view their money with inter- eternity in, in mind. I heard it once said there's two ways to be rich. Two ways. You can either get more or you can need less. Oh, there you go. I can either get more or I can need less. Now, if you're smart like my wife, you challenge us and we do both. <laughs> we try and to work hard and then need less. But I think it's an eternal perspective. This is awesome. This is a great picture. It's back to that lottery winner, right? Cast a glance at your riches, and they're gone. <laughs> How about that at the, end of the, at, the, at the end of the month in the checkbook? I'm like, oh boy, here we go. We got more bills than we got money here. Money is not something to be chased because it's never going to satisfy you. I want you to consider investing money, resources, time, with eternity in mind, with eternity in mind. I can't expand upon this as much as I wanted to, but do you have resources today that could impact the world of your great-grandchildren? How about your children's children's children? That's another way to say that. And this wonderful organization, our church, has been on this corner for 160 years. 160 years, and you trust that we as leaders, elders, board of directors, we're, li- we're looking at, like, what does this look like for us? Not just the next three years. For a guy like me, Matt, maybe the next 15 years. No, no, no. We want to make decisions now with the next 30 years in mind, with the next 300 years in mind, with the next 3,000 years in mind, God. Give us the wisdom to make good choices today with eternity in mind because you own it all anyway. Because all of these principles, they apply to us in the church as well. If you want to be wise, I want you to think about money with eternity in mind. Proverbs 13, 22 is very practical. It says a good person does leave an inheritance for their children, for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for somebody who's righteous. What are we doing today that really does affect the future? 
It's all yours anyway, God. What would you do with us? Are you willing to invest in something bigger than just yourself? Because ultimately, we as an organization want to be God-ordained, Christ-centered, and Spirit-led. And what that means for me as we expand this, this vision statement is that we have an or, a God-ordained purpose as individuals and as an institution, right? God-ordained purpose. What is that purpose, God? We're here banging into each other every day, doing life, to try to figure out what that purpose is. That's life. That's why we pour into each other's cups, right? A God-ordained purpose for both you as an individual and, and us collectively as a church but that we might be Christ-centered in our plans. We study under the greatest teacher who ever walked this earth. We're disciples of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we study and we grow and we look at the planning that Christ would have us do with our money. And then we live it out, spirit-led, every day in our practice. Purpose, plans, and practice. That's the beauty that I want you to see this morning in implementing these principles to use what God has given you for his glory. And so back to our original three points. I just want to ask you these questions. Do I worship my money or am I using my money in my worship of God? Do I tell my money what to do or is money telling me what to do? And then finally, if an outsider were able to look at how I spent my money, what would that tell them about me? And is what they would conclude true? Is it what you want? for your life. Ran across a final thought. Worship team, come on up here. We're going to pray and sing here in a minute. I put it on the bottom of your handout, but Charles Ryrie, pastor and author, he was quoted as saying in one of his books, how we use money demonstrates the reality of our love for God. In some ways, it proves our love more conclusively than the depths of our knowledge, the length of our prayers, or the prominence of our service. You see, all of those things can be feigned, but the use of our possessions shows us up for what we really are. What a powerful quote. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for imparting to us resources, talent, time, money. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom to use it for your glory. And each and every one of us, Lord, we need counsel. We need help sometimes in that. May we swallow our pride and, and approach someone to ask for that help. God, you be our vision. Not my own selfish vision, not the vision that some worldly power tells me that I need or that I want. May we have discernment, God, in how we use our money. We would truly have dollars with sense. Give us your wisdom, God. Give us your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. United Podcast is a joint ministry effort 
with the Walnut Creek Mennonite Church here in beautiful Holmes County, Ohio. If you live in the area or are visiting the heart of Ohio Amish country, we invite you to visit our church. We welcome you to visit and share a Sunday worshiping with us each week at 10 a.m. We offer a warm and welcoming environment where you can feel at peace and hopefully connect with God. Walnut Creek Mennonite Church is a member of the Evangelical Anabaptist Network. We seek to blend the foundational traditions of the past with an exciting vision for the future. Walnut Creek Mennonite Church, God-ordained, Christ-centered, and Spirit-led. Learn more about us at our website, wcmenn.org. Thank you.